to uh, Eastern Bias Love episode Tuesday night, uh, the 13th of January, 2015, and it's time for episode 17 of Eastern Bias, which also couples as our second ever takeover of BC Interruption Radio. It's Hockey Talk for two hours tonight, and it's a very special edition because the second edition of the Battle of Comav for 2014-2015 season is Friday night at BU's Aganis Arena. Uh, Boston University, of course, won the first matchup, 5-3, to three, uh, back Ooh. in November at Conti. Uh, BC will be hoping to return the favor on Friday night at BU. We've got just a huge show lined up for you. Uh, a to cavalcade of stars. Just, if you this is the variety show, superstar-studded hockey show of the century. As long as your definition of hockey is just what happens you know, on the green line, which it should be. Because if it's not, then you're doing it wrong. I mean, like, UNH is beating Providence 2-1 to one right now with 14.03 left in the second. But nobody cares. Nobody cares. Because BC plays BU on Friday night. It's going to be a great time. And uh, joining me on the line, for those of you who are not regular listeners, I should, by the way, mention that this is Joe Gravelisi. The interruption. Joining me, as always, the host slash co-host of uh, Eastern Bias is Shep Hayes. Coming at you live from the state of Maine. Shep, how you doing? Yeah. And cold here, as it tends to be in January. I, I am ready for the light that is this game at the end of my week. That was a lot more depressing than it needed to be. Yeah, that was pretty depressing. <laughs> that was really depressing. You know, Shep um, is the occasional contributor to blogging on Babcock. Uh, it doesn't exist anymore for doesn't all exist. purposes. It's still, it's still on Twitter. <laughs> Talking about some BU basketball sometimes. <laughs> and some BU hockey. Uh, and we've got some other guests with us. As a, usually it's just you and I, and we'll bring on a guest to do a quick segment. Tonight, it's a party. Uh, I believe we've got three other folks on the line with us right now. Sort of four. Sort and of we'll, four. we'll be adding more later well, on. We'll be adding a lot more later. Oh. So joining us later in the show will be, uh, towards the end of the show, a teaser to make you want to stick around, is going to be writers from the Heights, uh, Arthur Valen. And then also from the BU Daily Free Press. Who do we have coming on from the Free? Uh, I believe we will have Connor Ryan from the uh, the Free, the Boston Hockey Blog. That sort of contingent there. Uh, they he will be joining us. Uh, I think we've uh, scheduled that for around nine thirty. Yeah, so that'll be fun. At around eight yeah. forty-five, we're expecting a call from a uh, very special guest. I won't reveal who the special guest is, but uh, the Twitter handle starts with BC. And ends with Aki Blog One, and uh, maybe he'll have some scoops for us uh, on what's new in the insiders world of hockey. We're, we're also excited to hear from you, of course, in this show uh, to call in and talk with us. Call six four six two hundred zero four four six. That's six four six two hundred zero four four six. You can tweet at us at, at Eastern Bias or at BC Interruption. We'll be happy to answer your questions, even if they're not even about hockey. Uh, oh, 
which I'm so excited for those. might be the best questions. But why don't we introduce our guests that we have on the line. Uh, representing Boston College, we have my partner in crime here at BC Interruption, uh, hockey writer, Grant Salzano. Grant, how you doing? I'm doing very well. How are you doing? Doing all right. Grant's checking in from Connecticut tonight. Uh, I believe you'll still be in Connecticut on Friday because you're lame and won't be up for the game. Is that correct? That is that is unfortunately correct. But I'm sure you'll be ready to spew the hot takes. Shep, why don't you let us know who you've dragged on as your tag team? We have brought in from Boston University the best and or the brightest. Uh, we have uh, two guests. Uh, you may know him on Twitter as at Burnt Boats. I will not give him give out his full name uh, for legal purposes and things like that. But uh, Will, Will, how are you this evening? I'm doing great. I used I used to have my full name on the Twitter bio, and then too many people got mad at me. <laughs> that was probably for the best. We also have. Uh, I think the the I don't really know I don't want to overcompliment here, but we have Matt from Bay State Road Sports <laughs> BSRS blog on Twitter. Uh, there's an underscore in the middle there between BSRS and blog. Uh, Matt, how are you this uh, Tuesday? Tuesday evening. I'm fantastic. Oh, this is great. And, and in the background, maybe checking in, uh, you know him as Bartrett. Uh, I'm going to probably give his full name because he pretty much gives it in his username. Well, no, he doesn't. All right. Uh, we're just going to call him Bartlett. Yeah, we'll just call him Bartlett. Yeah. Yeah, we'll go with that. So he, he'll probably check in at some point and be annoying and things like that. All but right. Yeah. <laughs> Hi, everyone. So we've promised that the gloves come off tonight. Um, so let's do it. Uh, so just real quick as some background for those of you who are, you know, fading in and out, maybe haven't been closely paying attention. Uh, BC, when they lost to BU back in November, that was in the middle of the toughest stretch of the season for the Eagles. Uh, it was in the middle of four straight losses. It was really the stretch of play that sort of defined their season so far, uh, as they're still digging out of the hole in the standings and in the pairwise rankings. But things have gotten better for BC since that time. They're on a nice little unbeaten streak. I think we're about eight games. Uh, they're coming off a three-point weekend against Northeastern. They took the Ledyard Bank tournament up at Dartmouth, uh, beating a pretty decent Dartmouth team on the road. Uh, they beat Michigan uh, at home in a pretty impressive performance. So things have turned around a little bit. Now, the question for BC is that, you know, they've yet to beat a really good team, you know, a team that's ahead of them in the rankings uh, up in the top 20. So that's where this game on Friday night comes in. BU still perched at number eight in the pairwise. Uh, they've taken a little bit of a dip uh, from when they were number one earlier in the season, but still certainly solidly in the NCAA tournament and up at the top of the hockey standings. So big test for BC, important test for BU as well, given that they've sort of declined a little bit from their torrid pace at the start of the season, but uh, should be a good game. And so with that factual stuff out of the way, we'll get to the fun part. Uh, I promise that as the away team, we'll let our BU contingent go first but uh, you know what? No, I won't cheat. I, w I won't. I won't get in the way. You guys, go ahead. Have the first word. Does anyone have a specific first word they'd like to share? Um, I, I don't have anything specific. So if one of you would like to to really attack here, feel free. Um, I mean, I wasn't in my angry alter ego persona yet. Oh, uh, do we need to? Get, uh, we gotta get we gotta get riled up here a little bit. All right, we gotta find hey, somebody. I need a tweet way. from like all Jeff right. Merrick. And then I can get all riled up. Okay. Well, how about this? Number of trophies won in 2015. K 
Cam Spiro, one. Jack Eichel, zero. Okay, that is just unfair. Who died and made you Jeremy Roenick? You <laughs> legendary hot take, terrible person. Grant, what did, what did what do you think about that? Well, I think that uh, the the best thing that I've seen on Twitter over the last couple of months is the uh, the Holy Ghost hashtag with uh, Jack Eichel's disappearing act up in uh, up in Canada at the World Juniors and letting his country down and leading the United States to no medals and uh, just falling off the face of the earth right when America and uh, really the world at large, other than Canada, needed him the most. And I think that's that's really depressing as an American and as a as a human being. And uh, he should be ashamed of himself, and uh, hopefully he does feel shame. And if, we, if we're talking about top incoming recruits for each class, I had a lovely Milano panini for dinner tonight, and I'm sad I don't get to see more of him around the uh, the Newton area. What is on a Milano panini? Um, there's some pesto. There's some red peppers, and a bit of chicken, too. You know, Milano probably should have gone to BU because he also failed at World Juniors. <laughs> and Hannafin was a stud. He was all right. <laughs> I, have to, I have to say it makes a lot of sense that the Milano panini uh, has chicken on it because clearly uh, Sonny Milano was chicken to come and play in hockey East. It's he, true. I mean, and then he, he broke his face in training camp. He was afraid of playing against Jack Eichel. Eichel did tweet that out. One, yeah. one thing that one thing that we can all agree on is that these um, garbage numbers that Connor McDavid is putting up, playing against a bunch of sixteen-year-olds, uh, Jack Eichel would probably put those up if he was playing in the uh, in the OHL. Or I mean, the, whatever maybe, the uh, Charlie Coyle multiplier is on points, <laughs> I think I think he's at a thousand already for the Sea Dogs. <laughs> Has anybody ever actually calculated that out? And hey, and maybe, we'll, maybe we'll have a chance to see Jack Eichel playing for the Sea Dogs before too long. <laughs> Send Eichel to the queue. Yeah, well, you never know. Um, in all seriousness, we'll have time to kind of to, to heat things up again some more. Um, think, how concerned are you about BU's play right now? I mean, it's kind of hard to say concerned because they've still been pretty good, but they went from looking like world beaters at the start of the season to the point where I was convinced that, oh, God, it's 2009 all over again and they're going to win the national championship, to now I'm feeling a little bit more at ease. Like, I think BC's got a pretty solid shot on Friday. Uh, I'm wondering if you all can kind of give me your perspective on where BU is at right now. Not just Jack, but, you know, can the team contend? Can they win Can they win hardware this season? Um, I mean, I guess my first take is um, BRS broke this down in December that BU's record was like two or three games better than the 0809 teams was at the time. And I don't think anyone's take was really going to be that they were two or three games better. So there is just some type of correction that's going to happen. And I don't, and they weren't outplayed save for the Dartmouth game. Um, BU was never really outplayed much in a game, but you're just, you're not going to win every game, even if you have your fair share of possession. So I think it could be, a little of that going on. One major thing, though, is the next, for BU, the next four games are probably the four toughest game stretch of the year. Oh, it's um, awesome. But then after that, out of all the teams that are towards the top of Hockey East, after that, BU has the easiest schedule remaining. So 
if they come out of these next four games in first, tied with first in the hockey standings, it really is theirs to lose. Yeah, let me just well, read that off just so everybody's aware. Uh, they've got BC on Friday, Lowell on Sunday, and then two at Vermont uh, the weekend after. So wow. that's that's the top of Hockey East right there. That's rough right there. In in well, the course of two weeks. are forgetting, too. Yeah, okay, they've got those four. Then they play UMass, who sucks, obviously. But after that, then they have number four, Harvard, number six, yep. Lowell, and then probably BC. Well, not probably BC, but let's say probably BC. In the I, I didn't mean to uh, offend our, our ECAC yeah. listeners. I was I was looking at the uh, the hockey schedule. So that that Harvard game, yeah, it actually it's a surprisingly big game. But uh, I, I don't mean to make them mad at me again. The ECAC is a joke. Uh, Ken Shot, I'm sorry. Nobody saw that on Twitter on Saturday, so that's probably for the best. Yeah, that's probably for the best because that was really good. That was not one of your shining moments. No, it was pretty bad. If you like to keep it a keep it a mystery as to who's running the Eastern Bias Twitter account, that one was up. That one was me, and it got it got rough, and I just sort of abandoned it after a while. They do BU does finish out the year with uh, a home and home with New Hampshire, two against Notre Dame, and a home and home with Northeastern. Um, so it. It does get a little bit easier right at the end, towards the end of the year, although it's not the easiest in the world. It's not certainly not UMass. Well, there is one UMass game in there, but it's certainly not like <laughs> home and home with you. There are enough games. BU is going to get three wins in that game. That game is going to be fun. <laughs> also, when I think back a little bit to the start of the season and, and the sort of red-hot start for BU, you know, it, it's worth remembering that they they played that exhibition, which granted they, they smoked the played oh an exhibition. Then they played UMass and smoked UMass. But as it turns out, everyone smokes UMass. Like I'm pretty sure that uh, Sacred Heart would smoke UMass right now. Then they beat the U.S. under 18s. Fine. Michigan State, you know, not really that big of a deal. And then they beat Michigan. Times seem more impressive, I think, than it does now. I think you know Michigan ended up. Looks like they're going to be kind of a bubble team, a lot like BC, so not exactly elite. Uh, the win at Providence looks like maybe the most impressive win of the and – that, And that was an impressive win. It was a very impressive win. I mean, to go down there – now, granted, Providence was struggling early in the season, but, you know, to go down there and stuff that team with how good they are defensively, that was that was really key. But then after that – That and what they did to um, Merrimack at home were probably the two most impressive games they've played. Yeah, yeah the Merrimack at home was pretty good. Yeah, it was a slaughter. Yeah. But since then, I mean, I I think it's fair to say, and we'll see if you guys guys want to disagree, that's fine. I think it's fair to say that the ride of hype that uh, we got caught up on early in the year, where I was, even I was thinking, oh God, it's 09 all over again, might have been inflated by the fact that they put up that giant number on a crap UMass team and had one real game in the first three weeks with a bunch of, you know, exhibitions and beat a Michigan team that turns out everyone was overrating at the start of the season. Agree? Disagree? Um, well, I was, you know, we're, we're always, I'm always kind of big on the hype, no matter what, but I'd say the most encouraging thing, and that this hasn't really wavered since the beginning of the year, is that they haven't ever really come out and just, like, laid an egg for the whole game, which is, like, always, like, once you get high ranked, you just kind of, like, you don't have the need to win as much as the other team. And that's kind of what my concern has always been. And all three of their losses have been by one or two goals. And the defense has always been there, which I think is definitely a good sign for the big games because 
you can't win every game in a, in a Jack Eichel shootout. But the, I don't think they've given up more than I think they've given up more than three goals only once all year. So I think that's the most encouraging thing. And then um, I don't know, if, you know, I'm I'm not going to promise a national championship, but they uh, it's definitely if the defense is there. They, they got a chance, and that's really all you can ask for. Now, what the hell happened when they tied Wisconsin and almost lost to Wisconsin? Because uh, uh, that was bad. That I wasn't – the other two, two were the, there. Two of the uh, – well, I would say that was one of O'Connor's worst games of the year. I mean, five, wait, literally. Yeah. The second goal was I'm sure he would want back, which Quinn said after the game, too. And the third goal, obviously, everyone's seen the vine by now. It's just the most absurd goal of all time. Um, and after BU came out in that game kind of slow, um, after once they gave up the second goal, they had – I actually haven't run the Corsi for once this week because that's how busy I've been at work. But from that point on, they completely dominated the game. Um, and it, it was a miracle that they hadn't scored two at that point. So – those two were almost as as fun and dramatic as they were. They really you would have expected them earlier based on watching the the play out there. Yeah, I, I think I could agree with that from what I saw on uh, the Wisconsin channel on BTN to go and and BU really seemed to dominate in overtime. Correct me if I'm wrong here, guys, but they had like six shots in overtime, uh, and and I think they really did well. B, uh, the, they had one crazy sustained um like two minutes of, two minutes of possession in a row yeah and besides that it was kind of the other the other three minutes of the overtime were up and down with really no chances for either team but for those for those two minutes you you thought the goal was coming yeah, yeah. it was like the 09 championship game they had the miraculous way to tie it up they needed they were waiting for like 11 minutes in for the kobe cohen deflected slapper to find the back of the net yeah, I think that was kind of a once-in-a-lifetime occurrence that I'd rather not think about ever again. Uh, <laughs> I'm going to change the subject here. Um, so the next game coming up on Friday night is at Aganis. Um, You know, and over the past, for as long as I've been following really closely, so I, I was a freshman in 06, and, um, you know, that wasn't long after Aganis opened. And it just BC has had a ton of success at Aganis Arena. I think they've only lost there twice all time. They've won a vast majority. I think there's been one or two ties. But at Conti Forum, BU, you know, it's been about even with BU having a slight upper hand. I ask this question every time BC plays BU, and there's, you know, no right answer. But why do we think it is that BC has had so much more success against BU at Aganis than at Conti or even at the Garden? And maybe, Grant, you know, you've been a little quiet. So be curious to hear your thoughts on that. You know, I... I have no idea. I have no idea why BC would play better at BU other than maybe um, they're inspired to show the uh, idiots in the stands what real quick. I don't know. Um, I, I don't know. I mean, I, I've gone there so many times, and it just seems like maybe they maybe they play well with good glass around them. I have no idea. <laughs> Yeah, I've had a pet theory, you know, which doesn't really stand up this year. And my pet theory has always been that the quality of the ice at Aganis Arena is so much better than the quality of ice at Conti Forum that it's played into the strengths of BC. 
you know, versus BU in the past seven, eight years in terms of team speed, you know, cross-ice passes and things like that. You know, you're a lot less likely to have a pass get, like, stuck in a puddle at a Guinness than you are at Conti. Uh, <laughs> I think BU should have melted the ice to Guinness for last year. Yeah, I mean, that it would have gone better. That might have gone better. Now, this year, of course, it's a different BC team. So it's a different BC team. It's not really the sort of high-speed, you know, odd-man rush type of game. It's a lot more of a, you know, more of a mucking-grinding kind of team. So that advantage, if anything, would be neutralized. But that's always been my theory, you know, on why BC does so well. And I think there definitely is something, too, that, you know, when it's a rivalry game, you, you, you bring in your best um, – and it always seems to be, you know, it's like usually in December or something, and, and it's um, start, kind of a key game early on in the season. And so even though BC teams have had a tendency to maybe sleepwalk in the middle of the season sometimes, it doesn't happen at a Guinness. You know, the atmosphere and environment for those games won't allow that. Um, and it's always obviously really important to the team to do well. Um, and it's not just that they win those games. I mean, I can remember a lot of games where BC has just come out and, and smoked BU on their own rank. And, you know, sometimes they become wild games, but there was the eight to six game I'm, <clears throat> that I'm thinking of a couple of years back. That, I think uh, it was nine, five, actually. I, I mean, there are, there have been a few crazy high scoring games, um, you know, at a Guinness. And I, I don't know. Do, I mean, does the BU contingent have any explanations for that or thoughts? Uh, I have no explanation for it. I do think there is something to say that in the BU and BC games is as close as you get to seeing two teams really go at it for 60 minutes. Um, it's like, it, it is rare to see that in a regular season game. Like even if BU plays well or BC plays well, that means going hard for 45 minutes and there's a break of five or so different like snoozes during the game. Um, I mean, I guess if, if BC's been better for a few years, if both teams are going at 100%, that does favor BC. Yeah, that's actually not a bad point. But then why does BU seem to have more success at Conti? I mean, granted, it's a short, it's not exactly the hugest sample size, but I feel like, I think BU has a winning record at Conti in the past seven or eight years. Probably because the BC fans don't give much of a homework advantage. Ah, that must be what it is. <laughs> I think that's entirely what it is. Um, it's clearly a better home ice advantage than BU. Given no, because the argument was BC was better. So BU's fans are better, but BC's hockey team's better. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, all things, all things Until this year. Who won on that point there? I don't know. Oh, God. Harvard. Harvard. Scared of the <laughs> Um, Harvard always wins. Harvard always wins. It's true. What the hell with is is this the year for Harvard Northeastern in the Beanpot Final? We are BC and BU needs to keep up their 21 year streak. It's true, um, and our 58 year streak of one of us making to the final. Mm. I, I, it's going to be a great tournament. Would be my personal opinion. Um, I don't. That's boring. What is that? That's a boring opinion. It's, it's a boring be a opinion. Team, I don't care. You know what? You know what's going to happen? BU is going to route Harvard, and BC is going to route Northeastern. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's usually how it works. People talk like this. And Harvard never wins a game the rest of the year. You guys, are we writing our own? Uh, uh, this is Harvard's year to win the Beanpot. No, this, this, is, this is Northeastern's year, Mad Libs. This is this is what we're doing right now. Why are we doing this? We're going to do it in a couple weeks, so get ready for that. We're going to Mad Lib the articles that always come out 
um, about how this is totally Northeastern's year. Uh, so we've had some audience feedback already. Oh, we have. I'm sure it's just how much they love us. So let's see. Um, okay. First question was from Slurpee387 on Twitter. So what do you think of the Hartford Whalers? Uh, I don't know. Why don't you also ask me what I think of Santa Claus? <laughs> Either one of them are real. And uh, while, you, while you may have believed one of them to have existed at one point, they're never going to actually exist ever again. Like, say that was the point. Grant, is Connecticut the state of hockey? <laughs> Connecticut's not the state of hockey. <laughs> Grant, what are you doing? I work, I work, this is your I work state. With, uh, with a couple of guys who are, who are big-time UConn hockey – well, they're big-time UConn fans. And um, – one of them kind of follows UConn hockey now that they're in Hockey East, and I take so much crap from from this guy in particular. All I hear about is how UConn is is dominating everybody in attendance in Hockey East, and I'm just I'm just biding my time, being quiet, waiting for the honeymoon to be over, and UConn fans to start getting really bored with going to a team that's below 500 all the time, and and you know. I just I just can't stand it. I, they 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 get really super excited about having about five games now at the XL Center, and they've had good crowds at the XL Center and averaged something like I don't know whatever it was five six thousand people whatever at the XL Center, and then they don't count their games where they have four hundred people at the Taft at the Taft School for their one off game at a high school, and then they don't count their you know fifteen hundred attendance down in Bridgeport. So it's just – it's a lot of number manipulation for them to call themselves the state of hockey. <laughs> um, do you, quick quick, uh, just yes or no around the, uh, around the roundtable here. Uh, do you think uh, UConn will raise a Hockey East Attendance Champions banner next uh, fall? Yes or no? <laughs> well, they actually know because they did count their most recent Bridgeport game in their attendance, which dipped them oh. second. From whence I think they will not return since they don't have any more marquee home games, really. Uh, they might have UNH. I'm not entirely sure if they have UNH coming. That's marquee. Well, yeah, I mean, have you seen the photo of. Uh, not 2005 anymore. It's been, my understanding of Connecticut is that it's always about nine years ago. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, actually, it's funny, you know, BC, when they send out their ticket renewal they always highlight the UNH game as one of like the top games in the package. And I always think, <laughs> like, really? Um, so yeah, well, some more audience feedback. Uh, what do you think of Phillips? Also from Slurpee 387. I don't know what that means. Does anyone Oh, know? it's a delicious vodka that's made in Minnesota. Phenomenal. It costs about $12 a handle and it's magical. I have no comments on that. Anyone else? Uh, I have no comments other than I saw a photo posted by someone on this program this weekend with a bottle of uh, Phillips in a hotel bed being put to sleep. So and, that seems not appropriate. Okay. And you saw a bottle of Blanchard's with a stuffed Baldwin. <laughs> I so, didn't see that. <laughs> and uh, next question was also from Slurpee, 387. <laughs> Can we cut him off yet? This is it. No more. Uh, what are your thoughts on Eddie the Elephant's Hobie? <laughs> 
Uh, I don't know who that is, but if he plays for St. Cloud State, I'm sure that David Steinman thinks he's the number one contender. I think Eddie the Elephant has great character, and I think this award is entirely about great character. Uh, and who cares what you do on the hockey rink, because uh, that doesn't matter at all. Uh, Bart Rett asks, does Grav remember the Great Depression? Um, you? No. <laughs> uh, next question. <laughs> What's that? For me. Question from Bart Rett. Does Grant ever stop complaining? Grant? <laughs> no. I don't. <laughs> no. <laughs> no. Uh, question from Slurpee387. Why are you reading my absurd questions? We'll read anything. If you ask them. Uh, okay. So that's our audience participation so far. If you want to participate, you can tweet at Eastern Bias. You can also call into the show uh, at 646 200 Zero four four six. That's and I have heard word. Oh, I yes. lost there. Six four six two hundred zero four four six. We are expecting some more guests, so if you want to get on the line and talk, feel free to call in. Uh, I want to put out a, a serious discussion point to the to the crew. I think this is going to be more for Grant and myself, but certainly happy to hear your thoughts. BC, they've seemed to have stabilized a little bit. Um, Grant, let's talk. You know what what has been behind BC's resurgence? Is it just playing a crap schedule? Is it that Amy started wearing her lucky hat to the games again? Uh, what's going on? Has, has she really started wearing her hockey hat to the games again? She has, yeah. She um, started. She busted it out for the Michigan game. So, so technically, there has to be something to that. There must be. Um, but I mean, granted, in, in, the, in terms of things not involving the hat, uh, I think it, I think a lot of it has to do with them kind of working more towards having an identity that's not I think I think the last couple of years with Goudreau, the the team was mostly, okay, this top line's got a score and that's how we're gonna win hockey games and it was it was very this is what we've got. We've got to win the, these games with what we've got and run it into the ground and see what we can get. I think now we have a team that is much more much more focused on improvement and just getting better over the course of the season. A lot like, you know, a lot of the, you know, the good Jerry York teams of the past have. I mean, you look at, um, you look at 2008 was a perfect example. That team wasn't supposed to do anything. It was a rebuilding year. And they just, um, at the end of the year, they just completely blew up and they were fantastic. And I, I mean, I know Nate Gerby had a lot to do with that, but, you know, now you've got now you've got guys who are it's a young team obviously. These guys are really come around. It just it just feels like there there's a lot more focus on improvement and I think that we're starting to get to the point where things are starting to, to work and gel together. That's I think the biggest part of it. Okay. <clears throat> I'm not entirely sure that O eight is the best comparison because that team had Nate Gerby. Um <clears throat> this team does not have a Nate Gerby, although they have anyone else. Anyone else? Help for Hobie. It does have a great goalie in Thatcher Demko, which is making a huge difference. He he is starting to play, you know, like a nationally elite goaltender, and it's it's given BC's highly talented puck moving defenseman the license to move forward and, and create offense. We do have two callers on the line right now. Oh, two uh, callers. So let's um let's take the first one who called in first and see. They are, and let's not leave anyone waiting too long. So uh six one seven 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 five, you're on the air. Who's this? Hi, this is uh Mike from BC Hockey Blog. How are you guys doing? 
Hey. Hey, What's up, man? Good to have you you here. We're going to have a lot to talk about in a minute, but, you know, but I'm sure you you heard the end of what Grant was talking about, which was why has BC improved over the past eight or nine games, you know, aside from the fact that they have had a somewhat weak schedule. I mean, Northeastern's a decent team. Dartmouth's a decent team. Michigan's a decent team. And BC's looked better. Uh, what are your thoughts on what have been the factors for BC's improvement? Well, I think I, I think the biggest I think the biggest thing is start with Demko. I think Demko, you know, has outside of, I think Eichel is the most valuable player in hockey East. Um, he's been great. Uh, they're getting some, you know, some bottom six scoring, but they're also having guys like Gilmore start putting the puck in the net. Their power play and uh, penalty kill have been great. Um, that, but it starts with Demko, and they needed guys like Gilmore, Sanford, and Calman to put the puck in the net. Those are guys that were heavily recruited. They gave a lot of money to. Um, and, you know, Calman, he, he had two goals this weekend. He leads the team with ten goals. I wouldn't have guessed that. So if that continue, we'll see if that continues this weekend. But right now, they're, they're playing pretty well. Yeah, I, I would say that Calden and Gilmore are two players going into the season that I thought of as keys for BC <clears throat> that are guys that you know could really step up and score 15 or so goals. I think I've been a little worried that Calden and the line that he's on is almost underutilized, you know, given that it's not exactly with elite scorers. But he scored a bunch of goals. I think he's the leading goal scorer on the team right now. And uh, Gilmore yep. has kind of turned into a force as well. Now, while this team does not have – you know, a Gaudreau or a Gerby or, you know, a Kreider or an Atkinson. There are some guys on the team like Tuck and, you know, and Gilmore to some extent, Kangelo and Linnell. And, and Sandy Linnell, uh, who could go off and score a lot of goals. I mean, who do you think is most likely to do that? I, I've been saying Tuck all year. You know, I, some... I, I, I like Tuck a lot, but I think um, one guy that is going to be, I think the best player on the team right now in, in two years is going to be Zach Sanford. I, I really like the way he's playing. Uh, I think he's got a. He surprised me a lot. He was pretty under the under the radar with Hannafin and Tuck, both high draft picks or projected to be high draft picks. Um, but I've been. I really like the way Sanford's playing. I think next year, you know, with with the guys they have coming in, he'll he'll continue to be a top line guy, and he'll produce even more the next two years that'll be here. I'm looking for a lot out of Sanford, and it didn't happen early in the year, and he certainly improved. A couple things, real quick. First of all, 617-519, I see you in the queue. We're going to add you to this party in just a second, so don't hang up. But I do have an important question that just came in from uh, our listening audience from at Bart Pretz. And uh, he has a question for you. Will you unblock me? (laughs) (laughs) Who is that? At And I think he's also in the room. Hi, I tweeted at you a lot, and then you blocked me. (laughs) I don't know who it is. <laughs> if I if I direct messaged you the Twitter name, would you unblock him? First, what's first, the name? Sean Hathaway it's at Bart B A R T Rhett R H E T. I unblocked him today. I unblocked him today. Did awesome. I unblock him today? Oh no, I unblocked the other one. Oh, no, he didn't. <laughs> uh, well, I, I think this is a great moment for diplomacy here. If, if I'll do the it US now. Is the U.S. and Cuba can normalize relations, then you can unblock Smart Red. That's fair. So without further ado, we're going to let in our next caller. And we're not doing the traditional, you know, hang up and bring on the next person. Uh, we're just letting everyone on the air at the same time. It's a party. So 617-519, who do we got? Hello? Hello? They must have been from the queue. 
They got too frightened. Yeah. Hello. Oh. Up. Oh, caller. Who do we got? Hey, this is uh, Bill. Bill uh, from Newton. How are you? Hey, doing well. Yourself? Really, uh, really enjoy your show. Thank you very much. What do you got for us today? And I got to tell you, I really uh, enjoy reading the BC Hockey Blog. Awesome. Well, let's. My question to the my question to the BC Hockey Blog is. What what does he expect this weekend for, for from BU? And uh, does BC realistically have a chance to win? They've done well almost every year. They do well at Aganis, but I don't, I don't feel so good. Uh, I don't so, feel so good this Friday. Take it away. Well, uh, let me. Let yeah, me no, I, I think you you go ahead. Uh, well, you know, I I think. If you just look back to the first game of the year between these two teams, I thought at least for first two periods maybe, I thought BC was the better team. And, I mean, you look the second period. Second period, BC outshot them two to, two to one. We were winning pretty much that whole game. Um, BC looked great in that game against BU. I, it was probably our best game of the year, but I thought we looked very good. BU came on toward the end there, and they, and they pulled out the win. Yeah, sure, but... To, to say whether we have a chance, oh, absolutely. I think, especially between in a rivalry game, um, sure, but I, absolutely. Just looking at that first game, BC looked really good against BU. I just, I just don't see a great. Personally, I don't see a great matchup for the Eichel line. You know, I'm not. I, I think last game they tried to do it with Smith and Linnell, and I and I just felt like they were they were overmatched. So I'm curious what the BC hockey blog. Thinks they'll do versus the Eichel line on Friday. Well, I think they have to put they have to put Santini and McCaution out there every time because the last time they had Hannafin out there and Eichel, you know, ran circles around him for the majority of the game. So if if they if they don't have last change, so it'll be tough. But if they have you know two of Matheson, McCaution, or Santini out there, who wasn't even there the first game, um, out there against that line. But I think the big thing to look for would be whether B will put Rodriguez or Oxenden on that line. I think last uh, the second Wisconsin game they had Rodriguez. First one they had Oxenden. I think Rodriguez is a good player. He had, yeah, I think he had two goals that first BC game. So it will be interesting to see what they do. A couple things worth pointing out because you mentioned trying to match up against the Eichel line. You know, and I, I I'm a big fan of Quinn Smith. I, I always try to give him props because he's. <clears throat> Had a lot of big goals in his BC career, but he's a minus three. Uh, Danny Linnell is even for the season. You know, Brendan Silk is towards the bottom of the forwards at a plus two. The guys that BC has called upon to sort of play in that defensive role, and this is dating back to last year too, you know, in the Notre Dame series when BC lost. They haven't been able to do it. They're, they're not really shut down players. They're, they have their own skill, you know. Some of those guys can contribute offensively on occasion, but they haven't really been a shutdown line. So with that said, I mean, other than putting your best defensive pair out there, is there another way that BC can approach it, you know, when the Eichel line is on the ice? I, uh, I think uh, in, the first, in the first BC game, um, like BC-BU game, they were doing something that no one else has done where they, when Eichel would get the puck breaking out of the D zone, one of their, their first four checking four would just like sprint right at him to put pressure on it, but that also then really opens up the ice if that guy doesn't make much contact. And no, like, granted, most teams don't have the personnel that BC does with the speed to do that, but some do, and no one else has uh, chosen that strategy. 
from a BU perspective, any of you guys have a thought on, um, you know, what – there have been a couple of games where Eichel's been kept off the board. Is that just a matter of it's bound to happen sometimes? Or are there certain things that teams are able to do to neutralize him? Um, well, when it, when he really, I guess when he's, I guess, had the most difficulty is obviously at Merrimack. That's just like a place where points go to die because no one scores there. And I know teams that just um, really bottle it up and they really, um, I feel like at the beginning of the year, he was looking to pass a lot first. And when teams caught on to that, that's when he started to show off the lethal shot. But now, at least when he struggles, he seems to be getting a lot of shots blocked. I don't know if it's something that teams are just making sure that they take take away everything from him and put it on the rest of the team to 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 generate the plays. But um, it seems to be the older, you know, the Merrimacks, the Dartmouths, the Providence, the, the, the defensive teams that give him more, more struggles than, obviously, the teams that can skate up and down the ice. Does BC count as a defensive team at this point? I guess that's an interesting question. It's hard to think of BC that way. You know, traditionally they're Even not. with their, like, their D-men are very good, but I wouldn't necessarily call any of them, like, defensive D. I would say Santini is, you know, I mean, he can contribute offensively, but his top skill is, is you know, what he brings, physicality in terms of staying at home one day. I don't know if the other BC folks agree with that. Well, I think it's oh, a huge part of his game. Here's a question. Uh, assuming Ian McCaution's back, which I think he was back at practice today, correct? Yep. Um, what does that do to the BC lineup? I mean, the obvious answer, I guess, is to slot in McCaution and Linnell's out. You know, he's been the sixth defenseman. But do you think there's a chance that we'll send this to the BC hockey blog um, – they try to slot Linnell in in one of the forward spots and bench someone else. Do you think that that's a possibility, or do you think that it's not going to happen? I don't think I don't think they're going to do that. If you if you look back at you know practice today, they had them they had them rotating in. If you look back at the games before Santini was out, you know that's a long time ago, but he was out of the lineup, and it stinks too because he you know no one really criticizes him as much as I do. I guess Linnell, but he's he's been good the last couple games. He's he's been better than Savage. I actually agree with that. Yeah, the the one thing about Linnell, I think he's actually been pretty stout defensively considering, you know, he's, that he's a short guy and a forward. Um, he's also been really good positionally, you know, at being in the right spot. One thing that he kind of aggravates me about him, though, and it's kind of a nature of putting a forward on the blue line, I guess, is that you see him kind of throw a lot of aimless wrist shots into the slot that go off a defender. I kind of want to play a drinking game with that sometimes. And, and that's something that, you know, I feel like, it's something that it would be nice if they were to cut that out. Uh, but I, I think he's performed admirably. And uh, it wouldn't surprise me if the coaching staff wanted to reward him, you know, with the opportunity to continue playing. But I don't. I can't see disrupting the chemistry that they have going up front right now. Definitely. So um, we've got uh, three BU, you know, folks on the line right now. So I want to ask them something real quick. But just – for those of you out there in listener land, if you want to call in and join this conversation, it's 646-200-0446. It's 646-200-0446, or tweet at Eastern Bias. I'm Joe Gravelisi from BCI, and we've got a whole cast of characters with us. Um, so to our BU contingent, we've got arguably the most prominent Boston College hockey blogger in all of the world uh, on the line with us today. What do you think? Thank you, Grant. Like, I really appreciate that. Shut up, shut up Grant. 
Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> I thought we were talking about Grant. I thought we were talking about Grant, too. No, we're not talking about Grant. Talking about, you know, 2,500 Twitter followers, something like that. Actually, if you Google BC Hockey, uh, no, no, not if you Google it. If you Twitter search BC Hockey, the three things that come up are BC Hockey, BC Women's Hockey, and BC Hockey Bhagwan. So (laughs) you've got a prominent name in Boston College Hockey on the line with us. What What questions might you guys have for him? I'll let the other two handle this as well. Oh Gentlemen? boy, I wasn't expecting that free reign like this. Oh, you you are. <laughs> Don't make me regret this. No, I, I, I will pull the plug if, if this gets out of hand. But let's hear. BC hockey blog. What what would you say now? Are your realistic expectations for BC for the season? Well, the expectation never changes. Expectation is always to win the national championship every year. But I said realistic. Realistic, I mean, I think the realistic expectation is to win the bean pot, get into the tournament, and once once they're into the tournament, no no one's going to want to play them. You know, there's no other no team is going to want to play. Whether BC is a one seed or a four seed, they're gonna they're gonna you know they're a team that can play anyone tough because their their team is built on defense and goaltending, which as we've seen in the past with Colorado College, you know, Union last year, kind of. Backfires when you're not when you don't have that stout defense. Well, Colorado College kicked our ass, so right. That's that's true. that happened. That happened. That was great. But before we get that. the next question from the BU crowd, I just want to um, give Grant. Grant told me that he has to sign it off shortly, so we're going to give Grant a chance for a last word. Why don't you give us a last word and also throw a little grenade that we can argue about after you hang up? <laughs> okay. Well, last word is. Um, I feel good about BC on Friday. I think we're more likely to lose to Maine than we are uh, to lose to BU. I just got a hunch. Don't know. I think Santini might put Eichel through the glass. I would probably go and purchase a BC jersey just to put a Santini name and number on the back of it if that happens. Um, so that's that's that. As for my as for my grenade, I just have a quick question, and I want to know if. A uh, if a BU degree is completely worthless, or if it has some value in when you're an alum and you're living in an alleyway next to uh, again arena, if it has some value in the warmth that it provides when you're burning a warming trash can fire in the winter time. Uh, thanks for having me on. Hope you guys have a good rest of the show. I'm gonna hang up and listen. I'm gonna hang up and listen. I was told we weren't supposed to, to tweet out our jokes three hours before the show. Yeah, that's bad. He recycled that one. I was I, expecting better. Yeah, I, I'm not going to lie. I expected better, too. I mean, I kind of thought the main thing was a little bit of a grenade here. Maybe, maybe BC will lose to both BU and Maine like it lost to both UConn and BU the last time around. Ouch. Hashtag <laughs> Icebox. Well, Maine is no Icebox. Let's be clear about that. No, it's not. It's worse. Should we have a quick Icebox minute here? Uh, should we? I don't feel like I'm fully prepared for it, but we could. Yeah, let's do an ice bus minute. Ice bus minute. We've got some ice bus minutes out there. They're pretty loyal. We'll start with BC Hockey Blog. You know, you haven't really, you haven't been on the show to talk about your ice bus opinions. What do you think about their potential to build, uh, you know, a contending program there? What team are you talking about? UConn. Oh, I mean, I, I think UConn. You know, they've they've shown uh, this already so far this year they could be a real a real challenger in hockey. East. Mike Cavanaugh, 
did a great job here recruiting. He's already doing a good job down there recruiting. Um, they've got the the prestige, you know, with with basketball and I mean maybe not so much football. They're a well known school all around the country. Uh, I've never been down there, but I hear it's a nice campus. Uh, they play in a a beautiful arena, even though it's not on campus. Um, I think they they can definitely become a top you know six seven five team every year. I think that's the first time I've ever heard someone use the word prestige and UConn in the same sentence. No offense <laughs> at all to you there. <laughs> just a just a thing about UConn. I mean, I, I think my opinions on UConn as a program are pretty well known at this point um, and sort of the state of affairs there. So I won't try to expound upon them any more than say I think that they'll do pretty well uh, for themselves going forward. Though I, they're going to dip, and they, they're probably already dipping right now. No, I think they'll, they'll. I think they'll be like a middle of the road. They're gonna have their highs and lows just by the way they're gonna have to recruit at first. Um, kind of like Merrimack and Lowell, where they have those cycles of recruits, and like, you know, like probably two out of every four years, they're like a borderline tournament team. Um, but yeah, I don't know. It's tough to imagine them drinking uh, drinking the Kool Aid and uh, all of a sudden being this elite program unless. Uh, Unless Joe Pereira takes over, then, you know, that's a game changer. So. But do they lose their coach in two years or whatever when York retires? That's yeah. a big question. That's oh, where yeah, BC has to look. I think that that's a question that varies without uh, throughout all BC fans. My personal opinion is that it should be a BC hockey alum, and my first choice would be Greg Brown. Uh after that, I think would, I think one B would be Kavanaugh, and then a lot of people like Dennehy too. But I'm 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 in the Greg Brown camp. I don't know. I have, as an outsider, I don't think I could like. I I think I would try to avoid Dennehy personally, although he does follow the show on Twitter. Maybe yeah. he's listening. <laughs> yeah. I just remember listening that. right now. Mark Dennehy, what a great guy! Great, You're great man, great coach. One of my favorites. Ah. Uh, not right for BC, I don't think. I think yeah, yeah. I, I think don't think the it. I don't think the style matches up unless you know unless he's just coaching to like the talent that he has at Merrimack and he can like totally flip a switch when he starts having like the the best recruits in the country or some of the best. Well, second, how many coaches? Second best to Quinn's, but <laughs> how many coaches flip a switch like that though? I mean, you, you, your coaching style is your coaching style, generally speaking, and you know, can someone think of a counterexample of someone who's done it entirely different ways from one school to another. Jose Mourinho. Okay. You know what? How about, if, how about, if, go how ahead. about Jerry Orr? When he switched from Bowling Green to BC, totally different. Bowling Green with these with all those older kids, big guys, goons. You know, now BC plays a totally different style. Yeah, that's a good point. That's a, believe it or not, for I think it was Bart Wright that asked, I do not remember those days. <laughs> <laughs> that was before my time. Um so I can't really speak to um what Bowling Green was like back in the day, but that's a that's a great point. You know, it's it's true that Jerry York did not come over from you know, another elite program or Wisconsin or Michigan or, you know, someone like that. So interesting topic. Um I think worth exploring more in the future. Um but what I what I I interrupted, but what Grant interrupted by trying to get in his last word and making it a lame recycled joke was uh, a nice flowing dialogue and exchange of ideas between prominent BU hockey Twitterers 
and a prominent BC hockey Twitterer. Um, BC hockey blog, do you have a question for your BU brethren? Oh, I, I can't think. I don't think I got anything particular I want to ask. You know, I don't have anything. Okay. You guys need to prep us better for these shows. That's yeah. a lot of work, man. Yeah, look, I mean, I expect you guys prep yourselves. <laughs> you know, you got to get out there and hustle every day. I mean, right. I got I got a question, and this is this is for the group, so we we can all discuss. Who do we think is the better recruit of an current or current or past NHL GM going to BU or BC next year? We got Sean McTavish coming to BU, and then Chris Shiro going to BC. Hey, you got Graham McPhee's going to BC too. He's a he's a high he's a real high caliber player. Oh yeah. Fine, BC wins. <laughs> All right, you got that one. <laughs> well, that pretty much backfired on you. <laughs> I just Shiro comparison. You guys, you guys love getting on me about. You guys love getting on me about Shiro, don't you? <laughs> you always forget him in your recruit previews. I do, I do. I, I always forget him. I, he, he won't. He'll, he'll get. He'll get as much playing time as I will. <laughs> Hey, but you know what? That was a that was a great pickup to you know strengthen BC's ties with the pe- uh, uh maybe not so much. Oh God! Speaking of you know people who used to be employed by the Penguins, I saw Dan Bilesma at the BC at Northeastern game. Oh. I also saw him at the BC alumni game on Saturday at Conti Forum. We saw him at T's Pub. <laughs> I knew where that was going. What's up? What's up with that? Why was Bilesma hanging around? Do you know? Uh, I think he was prepping. I think he was prepping for the World Juniors commentary. So he was he was in town to watch the World Juniors team practice and stuff. I mean, this weekend when he was around the BC team. Oh, that's news to me. (laughs) He was Uh, recapping from the World Juniors. (laughs) Maybe Nesson hired someone new. Well, that would be the worst thing. York coached him at Bowling Green, so you know maybe they. I think they they do. I know they keep in touch a lot, so maybe Bilesville was in town because he came back for the World Juniors, and and they decided to you know hook up this weekend. Okay, yeah, that's a reasonable idea. Yeah, I was hoping for something a little bit more ridiculous and silly. Uh, <laughs> next Northeastern coach. Ooh, good question. Mm. Mm. Well, no, that was that was that was my that's that was what I think he's he's in town for. Oh, ah. yeah. You sure they won't hire wow. another like uh, administrator? <laughs> yeah, I think the, I think the I think the dean's assistant is next in line. <laughs> you guys, you guys, Corsi's not real. We don't play for Corsi here. <laughs> Got to curl curl back on those breakaways, son. And before that. Uh, he was—he's the most respected member of their coaching staff, and he—he he just went on a rant to no one about how co- terrible course he is. So that was impressive. Uh, yeah, I think that you know Northeastern definitely would pick like, you know, the uh, provost of the of the university before they would pick uh, before they would pick a fired NHL coach. I think that's a reasonable expectation based on what they've sent down in the past. I believe, by the way, that they could have had Kavanaugh if they wanted him. Is that accurate? Yeah. How, how do you think they're feeling about that decision right now? Hey, no. How how do you think UMass is feeling about their decision? Has that guy won one game in three years? Uh, he's won a couple. Uh, I think they beat AIC. 
I don't think it was entirely their decision. I think they got rejected yeah. a lot. They they also mm-hmm. they also beat um they also beat Maine this past weekend. They also yep. beat Northeastern earlier in the year. I think they did. They had, what, four wins? We just got a tweet, by the way, from at NEU Hockey. Cronin, in all capital letters. <laughs> I was going to say Cronin, but... <laughs> yeah, oh. that, I think that ship has sailed. And, I don't think your athletic director would hire him again. No, I think, you know, much like Larry Bird, Cronin is not walking through that door uh, anytime soon for Northeastern fans. I'm sorry to say. Uh, and from the outside looking in, I always feared you know, Northeastern teams with Cronin as the coach. I don't know how much you guys were. I mean, I, I, I have lost all perspective as to how long ago it was that Cronin left. So do you, do you, do you guys recall those years very vividly? Well, I mean, I, Oh, nine. I think the last year was, I think the last year was 11. It was 11. Yeah. It was the year uh, Northeastern played five times at the end of the year. That was miserable. That was awful. Yeah. And I can't remember. Northeastern definitely won the playoff series. Um, I think I can't remember. won three of the five. BU won two of the five, I believe. Well, that would be how math works. Just uh, I know I went to CGS and Com, but I believe that's how math works. That's why I was uh, explaining it to you. Thank you. Thank you. Um, what are scissors? <laughs> You'll learn next year. Oh, can't wait. Can't wait. It's going to be a big day. <laughs> just, yeah, is, that a C- is that a CGS joke that I don't get? Yeah, it is. Okay. I thought everybody at BC knew what CGS was, so they could make fun of it. I mean, I know what it is. I just wasn't sure if that was the joke that you were making. I kind of, kind of, I kind of whiffed on it a little bit. Crayon, glue, and scissors. Yeah, yeah. CGS. Yeah. Wait, I got a question for the group. This is actually a good question. Okay. No. Who is everyone's least mm-hmm. favorite referee in hockey East? I'm gonna go last. All of them. All of them. <laughs> All of them. <laughs> That's maybe not a bad idea. <laughs> okay. Uh. Oh God. I mean, I know mine's no longer currently a ref. I will always say Conrad Hache was the worst ref ever in Hockey East. Yeah, it was pretty bad. Uh. My Chris Malay told me I was wrong, but I stand by it. Um. Why am I a uh... Blanking on what's his name, who uh, missed that call in the main game a couple of years ago, and then then ref the Merrimack game the weekend after. Bunyan. Bunyan. Thank you. Why was I forgetting about Jeff Bunyan? Because we love him. Because Bunyan. Everyone everyone loves to say he's biased towards BU, and they point out the first two letters of his last name. <laughs> I don't think he's well liked around the league. If we're gossiping right now. Which maybe we're not. Hey, his penalty minutes called are down this year. You guys have ref Corsi. Yeah, I have it up. Someone keep track of that. Right they what? do. Can you please share with me which refs have called the most penalties? Is it Benedetto? No, no. He's um, he's probably he's like middle of the pack. You know, I kind of feel like Benedetto was either demoted or like reassigned because he used to ref BC games all the time. It was always either Benedetto, Uncle Grav, or one of the Hansons every single week. And he has uh, only done eleven games this year. Yeah, and. Ooh. We never get him at BC home games anymore, except he had the BCBU game. We always get other refs who are like either new or new to me. Uh, and I also saw Benedetto refing the BCBU women's game on Wednesday night, and uh, he's refed a few women's games this year. So I'm wondering if either he's like in the middle of a semi-retirement, or if Jerry York was like, "Can we please not have him have him ref our games anymore?" or something. 
But because uh, I know that that would not be unprecedented in Hockey East, I'm pretty sure there are some refs that either they refused to ref Jack Parker coach games, or he refused to let them ref his games. Um, does anyone know if that's a thing that maybe has gone on with Benedetto? Maybe you know. Our, um, I don't know if it's that or just because when did they get the new director of refs, Shakti, it was like two or three years ago. This is his third season, and it's good to point out that he lives in Wisconsin. Court yeah. its officials. For an East Coast League. Yeah. Fair enough. Great point. Well, but, um, you know, it, it's been pretty bad. I, I do think that it's easy. The grass is always greener on the other side, and you always hate the refs in your own league, and so fans in the other leagues will think their refs are the worst. But I have a hard time believing that there is a conference with worst, with worst referees than hockey is. It's consistently very poor. I mean, the, the amount of baffling things that happen in these games is just – comical and then I you know I watched BC play up at the Ledger tournament against Brown and Dartmouth and the games flowed so much better because there were so many fewer dumb whistles and like the reviews didn't take forever I don't know Uh, I kick everyone out of the draw yes and kick everyone out of the draw just all kinds of craziness happening I think Dan O'Chara just killed someone and they're only allowed to uh, review certain plays in television games uh, but but they they, don't know the rules that was its own craziness I'm gonna I'm gonna have to go with uh, whichever Hanson is still a referee as my least favorite, even though we don't really There's get two. There's two active Hanson. I thought the other Hanson was just like a video judge at this point. Well, there's two. There's Scott and Dave. The, Scott the, calls roughly one more penalty minute a game. So they're basically... How many games have the two of them done? Uh, Scott has done 13. Dave has done nine. I think they did one together last weekend or something. Well, that would be terrifying to me. Well, you could just yell, Hanson, you're terrible. It would cover both of them. The the one thing is with with Hanson is that I know when a Hanson is in the replay booth, there's going to be a disallowed goal. That's just a guarantee. You can can set your watch to it. That drives Red Berenson crazy. (laughs) Red Berenson doesn't understand video. (laughs) What is it about these moving pictures? (laughs) In my day, we looked at still. Uh, we have a question that came in from uh, Bart Red. Am I allowed to read this question out loud? It's um, your job applied here. I okay, Shep doesn't know what scissoring is? Question mark. <laughs> okay. Uh, so yes, at least favorite ref is. is is uh, both Hansons combined. I'm going to roll them into one because I get them confused. Is that a reasonable answer? Uh, yeah, yeah. I, I was. I remember being mad at 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 Dave Hanson earlier this year, so that, that's a good answer for me. Whichever one got injured in the bean pot, I felt bad for. So I think good. <laughs> Who the was the ref one? that had the bean pot final where uh, Northeastern had too many men on the ice for like 18 minutes and they didn't get called for it? And then he got shot in the face. <laughs> Wait, what? With the puck. That sounded a lot more. Yeah, let's cool. move on. Um, let's let's broaden the lens a little bit. So we're gonna have um guests from the Heights and from the Free Pond in a little bit to continue talking uh a little bit about uh the BCBU game. We have BC Hockey Blog for about two more minutes, and so while we have you, I'd love to hear your thoughts on the league as a whole. Kind of run down teams that. You- Expect to improve from now till the end of the season. Teams that you expect mm-hmm. to go down, 
and which teams have the best chance of being there in Boston for the fourth and fourth. Why don't you give us that, and then you can sign off. All right. Well, uh, I think if you look at it, I think Lowell's always tough. Lowell's always going to be a tough out because of the way they play. Uh, I think they're going to make the NCAA tournament. Um, I think BU is going to make the NCAA tournament. Uh, I, I think uh, I don't think I don't think Providence is going to make the NCAA tournament. I think they're losing. Yeah, they're losing with five minutes left at UNH right now. Um, I, I do. I mean, obviously, I'm obviously really biased, but I think BC is going to get in. I think I, I think this weekend they have to find a way to to win on Friday night if they want to bounce up four or five spots on the pairwise. Other than that, you know, UMass, Maine, uh, Notre Dame seems to like they're having a really down year. Oh, and, and Vermont. Vermont, you know, Vermont's going to make it. So I'm going to go Vermont, BU, Lowell, um, BC, and I think Merrimack's going to miss it, uh, miss it by just a little bit. I think they got a tough schedule coming in. I think that's reasonable. Um, I think that they don't, BC doesn't necessarily to win uh, on Saturday, on Friday night, but I think they have to win either at BU or against Merrimack for sure. They have to win one of those two, you know, against a team that's ahead of them to try to um they and Providence. They get Providence they get Providence at home, they get Vermont twice at home. Uh those two those teams are all those teams and Lowell. So those four four games are against teams that are all above them in the pairwise right now. Um, well Lowell scares me. I'm not really sure I think that B C can take it take those points against Lowell, even if it is at home. I think that down the stretch they're gonna end up being the best team. Uh I have a hard time picking against them to at least win the regular season title. I think, you know, one game, anything can happen. Well, we'll see. We'll see. Uh, thank, thank you guys for having me. Um, good, good luck on Friday. Uh, go Eagles, all right? All right. Thanks for coming on. Thank you. Thanks for coming on. All right. Much we'll see you later. Night night. So that was our friend at the Boston College Hockey Blog. Uh, and now there is room for you. Uh, if you want to call in and join us, 646 646- Two hundred zero four four six six four six two hundred zero four four six. We're a little more than halfway through this shindig. Um, we just got some thoughts on the league at large, so uh, let's kind of go around a little bit. I just said that I think Lowell was going to uh, be there at the end as the regular season champion. I do believe that. Uh, I do think Providence will make the NCAA tournament. I, I disagree with with our blogging friend on that one. I think the big question mark is BC. You know, I think that they can, uh, they can make the tournament. It's not a given. You know, they they still have to prove that they can beat teams up in that top fifteen. I guess if they're going to make it up in there, um, I think BU is probably going to end up around where they are in pairwise, somewhere in like the two seed range, uh, five through eight. Uh, so, agree, disagree. Where, where do you see as things that are going to change significantly from now? Now for Shep or us? For all of you. Um no, I can start first. Okay, I'll go first. Um yeah, I think yeah, I think BU's in, obviously. Um I thought they were in last year, they got robbed. Yeah. <laughs> um yeah, so I think BU's in probably a, a one or a two seed. Um, you know, maybe a three if they slip up a little bit, but um then I think I think Providence is in too. I think their defense and their goaltending is too good over the course of the second half. But they're going to get a good chunk of wins, even though they look it look it looks like they're losing tonight. But um, and then Vermont, I I don't 
Like, I haven't seen Vermont play anyone who's, like, even competent at hockey. So I don't know how we can, like, make a judgment on Vermont yet. Are we sure Vermont is playing actual hockey teams? Or is it, like, rounders or something like that? We went and saw them play Northeast at the beginning of the year, and they were not playing against a hockey team. Yeah. No, like, that, Northeastern doesn't count. Like, no. No, 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 no. Yeah, yeah, concur. Like... I, I think Vermont probably ends up, I think, probably similar to how their team was last year. I think they're a four seed or, like, a high three seed. Um, I, if I had to guess, I'd say that's how they end up. Uh, I think Lowell makes it in probably as a three or four because everyone's been saying, like, it's the same old Lowell team. But they've been scoring a lot more. Like, their games are a lot higher scoring than they have been in the past, and they don't have the goaltending. Like, isn't Boyle their starting goalie, the UMass reject? Well, that's the one thing with you know with them that makes me think that they're not going to win the national championship is that you expect them to have a good goalie and then they have a UMass reject. Like that's not a good school to be taken up. And I, I've said this, probably don't want to take people who got thrown out. Not he didn't get thrown out of UMass, but are no longer with the UMass hockey program. Yeah, like Lowell leads the hockey. All hockey schools and goals scored so far this year, so I don't know if that's exactly sustainable over the the rest of the rest of the year. I know, like, well, like, why not? I mean, they've they've done that well even with uh, with freshmen, you know, you know, with a lot of young players. You'd think that you know they would get better as the season goes on rather than I, getting. Hurt. I know at the beginning of the year, like six weeks into the season, Lambert was uh, harping on that Lowell was scoring at way too high of a rate. Um, and that was, and their shooting percentage was going to have to drop. Um, I'm not sure if that's still the case, or because he was breaking down that that in previous years, Lowell um, started under Bazin, started slowly, and then turned it on around December and played really well the rest of the year. And that they were almost playing that same way the beginning of this year, where they weren't playing that well, but they were just winning this time anyway. Um, like more of their shots that shouldn't have been going in were just hitting back of the net. Yeah. Um, it should be noted that Kevin Boyle is currently the first person listed on the Army ROTC, three stars, 2014-15 uh, leaders forward on HockeyEastOnline.com, above Jack Eichel. So that's sort of <laughs> – Well, I think that's totally appropriate. Yeah. Uh, also on there, so it's Kevin Boyle, Jack Eichel, John Gillies, uh, Evan Rodriguez, and Clay Witt. So – Something to be said about goaltenders, I guess. And how is Regan not on? I think I think picking the goaltender as like the number three or the number two star is almost always the safe choice, unless it's a crazy high-scoring game. Oh yeah, like it's a nice, easy place to get a to get a star out of there. So good job, media. Good job. Um, here's a question. Um, since we've kind of got a little bit of discussion going here, well, you and I joked, and I think our first show of the year, way back in. 17 weeks ago. 17 weeks ago. That some random St. Cloud guy was going to win the Hobie. <laughs> Lo and behold, there is a new random St. Cloud guy. Um, what do we know about random St. Cloud guy? Oh, random St. Cloud guy? Well, I was looking him up a little bit last night, but it wasn't really a lot. So let's let's pull him up right now. HobieBaker.com. Um, I was also comparing like the wording of the Hobie Baker's website to the wording of the Heisman's website uh, for comparison. Uh, and I dislike the wording of the Hobie Baker's website. Um, where's the, uh, oh, voting is now open. Voting is open for the Hobie Baker award. And if you don't vote for Jack Eichel, you're wrong. Um, 
St. Cloud State, we got a we got a Johnny Brzezinski uh, with two 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 zero votes. That's two thousand two hundred and twenty votes. There was also a Penn State guy with thirty one hundred votes, a Union guy with thirty two hundred votes, a Teddy Doherty with three thousand votes, some RIT guy with thirteen thousand votes. I heard there were there was Michigan Tech people with like forty thousand votes. Can you confirm? We got a regular mission guy with 27,000 votes. This is not real. These numbers are not. This is just this no. it should be noted by the way that the Hobie vote is basically meaningless. So we want to make yeah. sure. 1%. Jamie Phillips, Michigan Tech, 42,206 votes. So have fun counting that, Price Waterhouse Coopers. <laughs> and um so here here's a you know a couple of thoughts I have here with the Hobie voting. First of all, this isn't really apropos of anything other than to say we have one of our regular uh commenters on BCI, you know, encourage everyone to go vote for uh the BC nominees for Hobie. And I said, I'm not gonna do that because I don't think any of them deserve the Hobie. So why would I you know, it's like it's all well and good to support your people, but it's kind of silly to vote for like I love Teddy Doherty, but is he gonna win the Hobie Baker Award? Eh, no, he won't because you didn't vote for him. Right, it'll be all my fault because I'm an awful fan. Uh, I that's I guess why I hate these fan votes is that in you know it just turns into a boosterism contest for your own people, and I think we've seen that it's become a Western boosterism for just whoever they happen to coalesce around for the last few years. <laughs> I I just. I find the the wording of the award too is like it's they've got the humanitarian award or uh, something like that. I don't know, but it, candidates must exhibit strength and character both on and off the ice, contribute to the integrity of the team, display outstanding skills in all phases of the game, and show scholastic achievement and sportsmanship. I mean, like, yeah, that's all fine and good, but I think we end up waiting like. He's a nice guy a little too much. It's, well, he's kind of reserved. Uh, he can be a bit of a jerk, but he's really good at hockey and doesn't really cause that many problems off the ice. Like, I think there's a there's certainly a fine line there, and maybe I'm just totally spitting some stuff out right now. I, I don't, you know, I don't think it's unreasonable to have that component, you know. No, I, I think, I think, and I do think that you should have a, a character bit to it. I do think that it tends to get a little bit overplayed, though. It does. I think it certainly got overplayed last year with Random Saints Cloud Guy. Like, wow, well, Random Saint Cloud Guy is really overcoming the odds. It's true, although it should be pointed out. I mean, we don't have access to what the final vote was, do we? Like, No, I don't think so. Yeah. I, I don't but, believe there is a final vote. I believe it's like a committee decision. Oh, it's, it is it is very weird. Uh, I will read some selected components of the selection process. Like, they they vote multiple times. No, what did I do? I got Johnny Gaudreau's They committee. Okay. Well, I mean, who knows how actually close it was, you know, of a discussion or whether it was just Gaudreau all the way and it was just Starman pushing, (laughs) you know, pushing random St. Cloud guy and a few St. Cloud fans because I I don't want to assume that the entire media is that dumb. Um, Now, this year is a little different. I'm not entirely sure that Eichel is like 100% a slam dunk. Um, Who do you have? I don't have anyone as the 100% slam dunk. I think there are a few people that... Danny Lionel. (laughs) Yes. I mean, if it's it's not Danny Lionel, it's got to be Teddy. I mean, I think the committee doesn't... I I think they don't want to vote for a one-and-done freshman. Yeah. But I think it's, it's... end up being the only vote there is. 
think there won't be a case for anyone else besides obviously a random state cloud guy. <laughs> well, let's take a look at who, who up there in points per game. It's like it's VZ and Vecchioni, Vecchioni or however you say it. Yeah, yeah, the guy who left. Not horrible choice. I mean, he did help lead his team to the national championship last season. And he's Frank Petrano. Oh God, I really want to say his yeah, name. He's on my fantasy team. Frank's the man. Jimmy VZ, not a bad choice either. I mean, talking about a team that has risen from the ashes and is one of the top teams in the country, although you can say that about BU as well. Um, Vecchioni, I think he's a solid choice, especially because he's from Saugus, Mass., um, which we actually had a row of, like, Saugus bros in front of us at the first and four, rooting for Vecchioni in the final, so that was fun. Um Ah, I see Champini is up there, too, from Union. He's a senior, so he'll probably get some consideration. Uh, you've got some people from Bentley who will absolutely not get consideration. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, new guy. Sorry, new guy. We love you. I don't know if you're actually listening. I hope so. They just follow they me They play on. at that great rank. Right. They do. I, I, I want to make it there for a game. It's kind of on on my list. We'll have to... I think we need to take the show there at some point. We do. We'll do a live show, you know, semi-live, record it at the JAR. Um, let's see. I guess Rao could get himself in the conversation if he if Minnesota stops sucking. Uh, he's up in the top 15 in scoring, and I'm sure if he scored more goals, they would suck less. That's probably the case. What's up with Minnesota, by the way? They've been awful. Uh, they're in the West, so they don't matter. The last, the last time I saw them play was the uh, that Northeastern North game, game, and they got thoroughly outplayed by Northeastern. Is it because they finally ran into some real teams like Northeastern and Merrimack? Is that why they've been struggling? It was the Derek Waugh-led Northeastern real team. Right. Yeah. And Collier absolutely sniped one on him. <laughs> that was awesome. The stick, His stick, like, broke, and he still snapped it top shelf on the goalie. I don't even know how that happened. It's a bad sign for the goaltending. <laughs> uh, should – this is the list of candidates that uh, our friend of the show, Joe Maloney, put together. Um, uh, are they all Merrimack players? They are not, actually. Uh, we've got – and oh, God, we're going to get some butchered of names here. Uh, Daniel Campini? Uh, Champ- senior right – Campini? Uh, I should have seen that one coming. A senior right wing from Union. Uh, Jack Eichel, freshman center, Boston University. John Gillies, junior goaltender, Providence. Uh, been a cough. Hold on one sec. Carmine Guerrero, uh, sophomore from Alabama, Huntsville. Yeah, that's not happening. Uh, <laughs> that's the thing. I think the goalie thing's not happening either. You got to get like to 950 save percentage. To yeah, I don't. Ball. I don't think Gillies is getting it. Patrick McNally, a senior defenseman from Harvard. Uh, Danny O'Regan, a junior right wing from BU. Uh, Jamie Phillips, a junior goaltender from Michigan Tech. There's another goalie. Phillips. Uh, Mike Riley, uh, a junior defenseman from Minnesota. Dominic uh, Toniato, Tonatino, I don't know. Sophomore right wing from Minnesota, Duluthies from the West, he doesn't matter. Cody Wido, senior left wing from Robert Morris. That's another one that's not happening. Um, and then he's got a couple, uh, Riley Barber from Miami, Drake uh, Caligula. Caligula, I don't know. Caligula, why do people say their names like that from North Dakota? Matt Dean. something Italian? <laughs> Maybe. From Holy Cross, Rao from Minnesota, and Jimmy Vesey from Harvard. So, there were a lot of token AHA players on that list. Does Joe Maloney have AHA bias? <laughs> He's going to start a competing podcast. So looking at the leading points in the country, 
Um, Austin Zarnick on Miami, as a forward, has two goals and 21 assists. Interesting. How is that? That's like... That's Fortunato level. Yeah. <laughs> that is a... Uh, that's uh You know, Zarnick's one of those guys that feels like he's been in college hockey for like 15 years. Yeah, no, I agree with you there. I feel Did like... Brother that also played or something. I swear, yeah, I swear there was a Zarnick when they lost to BU in the national championship game. <laughs> yeah, that's that's probably true. A couple score updates, by the way. These are less silly than usual because uh, we actually are live on the air. Um, it is a final in the UNH versus Providence game. UNH defeated Providence 2-1. to one. And actually, I don't know how many shots Providence ended up with, but it says here Gillies had 34 saves. So not a good look to give up 36 shots. Rob- UNH. Providence had 31 shots. New Hampshire had 36. Okay. Was that at UNH? It was yeah. at UNH. Yeah, that's what this was the rescheduled game from when their rink flooded. Uh, right. Typical well, Conti. Well, yes, one of two times that UNH pulled the Conti Forum this year. They had a women's game canceled as well uh, for that reason. So uh, good job, good effort up at UNH. You know, maybe... I'd like to give uh, Bart Rett's fantasy team a shout-out for posting probably his first goaltending victory of the year. Uh, it's been few and far between, but we finally did it. Go team. Another score update we have for you in uh, women's hockey. BU trails Cornell 3-0. Ooh, that game that game was also delayed for rink issues. <laughs> yeah. What? That's their bony failure. Is it at Cornell? Yeah, it is at Cornell. Interesting. What is it with Ivy League and Zamboni failures? That happened to Hobbit last I, year. I guess they can't pay for the Zambonis in the Ivy League. It's not. Um, so three nothing. Hockey youth just can't get the rink to freeze. That's uh, I know we spent a lot of time on uh, women's hockey hot take last week, but just to be real quick, uh, more signs that hockey east is a dumpster fire in women's hockey that BU is getting lit up by Cornell. So um, that's a thing. Let's see, and uh, the Bruins are winning four to two. Uh, if you happen to care, uh, Chara killed a guy. Chara killed a guy, which happened. Has BC's women's hockey team played, like, legitimate Western teams this year? Has that happened? They have not. So okay. it, And they will not. They have a just a cupcake schedule. I mean, they have a couple of decent games. They played Harvard. It's pretty good. They, they beat them 10-2. Um, they played a two-game set against Cornell and swept them. And uh, they have Quinnipiac coming up, who's a decent team, and BU, who's pretty good. But that's it. And so it's really, you know, they're probably going to go undefeated, honestly, going into the Frozen Four. And then they're going to have to deal with Wisconsin and Minnesota. And there's almost no way of knowing um, how they match up against those teams. So on the one hand, that's kind of exciting and interesting. Uh, On the other hand, it's very, like, kind of makes the whole season boring until that inevitable matchup. I predict they go 41-1-2, and and then it turns out they cheated. (laughs) All right, I need your prediction as to how they cheated. Um, well, the pudding was the last one. So it'll, it'll be some type of dessert custard, to excessive dessert custard to the players. Okay. I, I'm not uh, – that might be a joke that I don't get. Um, so. Oh, that was – that was the the main's whole issue is their player – their uh, fans say they just gave too much pudding to the players, and that was that was the whole scandal. Ah, uh, okay. I missed out on that one somehow. Is that a USCHO thing that I forgot about? Uh that's actually like that's the main fan base as a whole. It's a it's, like they're legit, just it's stupid. It's a weird state, guys. I have a really good. I have a family friend who lives in Orono, actually. I'm sorry. Yeah. Nobody I, lives I, in Orono. It's too small. I know. He's the one. Um, that's the town population. Talking with him and his friends, like pregame or postgame, it is. It is. 
an experience like nothing else. They're so disconnected from civilization. It's just incredible. It's so far. It's the end of the world. The end of the world. I should point out, by the way, as I was kind of writing my preview article for the week of BC Interruption, it was all about the BU game, obviously, but and it's always going to be the case, you know, whenever BC is playing BU, but I realized that there's basically no interest in the fact that BC is playing Maine at the Alphonse on Sunday. It's a complete afterthought, as though they were playing Merrimack, and whoever would have thought we'd see that day. Uh, I don't know, but yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, we're now a year and a half into Red Gendron's tenure, uh, and it's not going that hot at this point. Does anyone else feel that way? Or am yeah, I? No, I thought last year was definitely a good. It seemed like a good first year, like since they weren't his recruits. Um, but I feel like probably majority of the team now should be his guys, and they have three wins. Three or four wins? Yeah, like it got it's it's still okay to stumble a bit in your second year, I think. But yeah, they're really not do they're losing to UMass bad. Yeah. Like that's pretty bad. That's really that's, bad. That's really, that's awful. That's, that's awful. Unacceptable. Because that's even even with uh, BU struggles last year and um, just like they were just they were so thin last year depth wise, but. Uh, even BU, they beat UMass and then they tied them. Like losing to UMass should never be acceptable if you respect yourself at all. <laughs> and Maine actually played BU really close, and that was that was scary for a second. But then all, all the Maine fans said that those just happened to be Maine's best two games of the entire season, but they still lost them. So that was sad for them. Which kind of reminds me of you know UMass played a couple of good games at Maine but managed to lose twice to Maine. Has, has UMass played yeah. like eight times this year? Or am I making that up? Yeah, this is this is that thing that I talk about when I complain about hockey scheduling and out of conference stuff. Uh, out of con- in game in conference games out of conference like UMass yeah. and Maine I think are the prime violators here. Yeah, agree. Yeah. It's just it's so boring. <laughs> I mean, Maine because they can't get anyone to go to Orono, probably, and UMass because who wants to play UMass? Yeah, it it can only be bad. But I do support adding an additional BCBU game. Your guys' thoughts? Yeah, I was jealous of the the well. Besides the fact that UNH and Maine are terrible, their extra weekend series that was in Manchester and then Portland, Portland yeah, that was really cool. Um, cool. The only the only problem is like the BU equi- the BU BC equivalent of that's at the garden, which is the bean pot, and it's kind of overplayed. Um, could play at Matthews. They could play at Matthews. <laughs> Show those Northeastern fans what's some real hockey's. That would be a throwback since both teams started there. Here, here's my thoughts on how you could swing a third BC new game. Fenway. Well, take it on the road. There are two options for it. One is road show. You know, one year outdoors, one year like Madison Square Garden, one year go play in like Toronto. One year in Minnesota to show what Fargo. real hockey's like. What well, one year? Belfast. Like take it over to Belfast. <laughs> um, you know, so like roadshow. You know, get like an eight-year deal with like six different venues. Maybe wrap it up with you know having it at at um at a Guinness or uh, Con- you know Conti one year. Maybe I get a an over under on attendance for BUBC at Madison Square Garden. That would probably be a sad crowd. You think so? I think at least the first time it would get a great crowd. Uh, BU doesn't actually draw 
exceptionally well to red hot hockey. Like that's at best a third BU crowd and two thirds Cornell crowd. So yeah. I don't. It's also it's happened a few times at this point. Yeah. And, um, also, BC, you know, it's different than Cornell. Mm-hmm. It's, a, it's a bigger draw, I think, from what the more recent BU alums that live in New York City. Yeah. You know, the Cornell rivalry, if you weren't around in the ECAC days, probably doesn't mean that much to you. The Cornell rivalry at this point only exists in Madison Square Garden. Right. And then... Yeah. And it's not really a rivalry because Cornell is just absolute snake bit in there. So it's, it's, just... it's not exactly a rivalry because Cornell lost to BU last year when BU took 11 shots. 11 shots. And they still won. I was very loud. I apologize. I got very, very, very shouty there. It was the high point of your senior year. You deserve to get shouty. It was, it was pretty awesome. I loved it a lot. <laughs> well... Um, so that said, I mean, I think that a BCBU game once, maybe twice at Madison Square Garden in a decade could be successful because you've also got a lot of BC alums in the New York area that that would be enough of an event that it would be an exciting, you know, it wouldn't be as big of a deal as the pinstripe bowl. But I mean, I saw it, there was just a ton of BC fans there, you know, because it was not just the fact that, oh, BC is playing in New York and you know, this is where I live, but it was also a pretty big event, you know, to have a bowl game play against the name brand team. And, and I think maybe you would have that event factor. So I think you could pull it off once or twice. Same with your yeah, game, maybe doing it at like alumni stadium or something or, or trying to mix it up a little bit. So that's one for adding a third BCBU game. Um, by the way, we have a caller on the line who I believe is our guest from the Heights. And so if you're listening, hello, Arthur, we'll bring you on in just a second. Uh, if you have any coordinating chef that you need to do to get your uh, daily free press person on, I would suggest doing that. Uh, are they going to be dialing in? I, I, I believe they are. Confirm that. <laughs> so yeah, that, we should get on that. Yeah, you should get on that uh, while I ramble. The oh, subject can, of his email is calling in. So we I think can we're, keep the people happy. Oh, yeah. Lord. We'll now, just talk uh, back and forth. The other two options that I think we have to make a BCBU additional game happen, one would be a kickoff, like it's always the first game of the season, then you could do it at the Garden because it's distant enough from the bean pot months-wise, and it would be its own event because it would be the first game of the season and do it in October. I think that could be managed. Uh, That's a good idea. I'd never considered that. Or you could have a – I just made this one up. This is the option, I guess. Um, you could have BC and BU jointly host, like – either something similar to the icebreaker or a Christmas tournament where they invite in um, guests from the West, you know, but, but talking about a Christmas tournament, it's a little bit too close to the bean pot time-wise and then you have hockey eats. So it gets a little redundant. And then last year, last year there was rumors of that. The, uh, the Bernie Corbett invitational. That's right. At the Dunkin' Donuts center in Providence was supposed to be a thing. Yeah. The UBC, I think, Providence and a Western team? Something, something like, like that. I've always thought that, you know, there should be a holiday tournament traditionally hosted by one of these teams. But then I remember that, like, we have the Bean Pot as our tournament that we host around here. So it's a little bit yeah, I think yeah. they could do, like, a Thanksgiving weekend tournament. BU kind of has red hot hockey every other year, but maybe have, like, I don't know what the solution would be. But. That's not a bad idea. My last idea was. Um, pick a weekend, you know, I'm partial to the first weekend in December because that's when BC and BU have played many years. Uh, you have a home-and-home home at Conti and at Aganis. 
and uh, make it, you know, after Jerry York retires and have like the York Parker trophy that's settled that weekend. And it's like on aggregate goals or something. And uh, just with to, an away goals tiebreaker with the away goals tiebreaker to honor the legacy of us. Uh, <laughs> uh, what do you guys think about those ideas before we let our guests on as we have two calls on the line real quick? Any of those you think viable? I think the idea, I, I do think a, a tournament of some sort, like I like the idea of uh, a BUMBC versus two from the West. Like you can market it as probably an East versus West tournament, even though it would probably be, end up being uh, just the hockey's big 10 challenge. You um, can make it the hockey's nacho challenge. Yeah. Oh God. Bring in North Dakota and Denver. Every oh, that would be, that seems awesome. I love this. And we could go back and forth every year. Like we could do one time in the East, one time in the West. This is great. Someone get on there. Fargo, Boston, and Denver in the Pepsi Center. Um, I I do think, though, that the Beanpot is sort of our tournament, so we don't get a lot of other things there. Um, And, yeah, that would be my opinion on that. Gentlemen? Don't you think it would be a little redundant with the the Beanpot and, like, a Parker-York trophy? Uh, No, because, you know, the Beanpot is all about all four schools. (laughs) Oh, yeah. (laughs) Uh, let's let our guests on and see if they have any thoughts on this. I, I assume that the two people that are on the line are from the Heights of the Daily Free Press. So if the second person, yeah, I believe they are. If the second person is not, then I apologize. Let's let both of you on. Uh, Arthur, I know one of you is is one of these people is you. So Arthur, hello, are you with us? I am. Arthur, uh, how do you pronounce your last name? Uh, Balin. Uh, Arthur Balin from so like, the Heights yep. with us. And then we yep, also Balin, have Connor. Yep, this is me. Introduce yourself, my friend. Hey, I'm uh, Connor Ryan. I'm one of the uh, BU men's hockey beat writers for the Daily Free Press at Boston University. Excellent. Well, let's hear your, both of your thoughts. We, we've talked a little bit about um, the po- the plausibility of adding a third game every season to the BCBU series and what would be the best way to do that. Um, Connor, we'll start with you and, and throw it over to Arthur. Do you think that there's <laughs> – appetite for that and if so how would what do you think is the best way to do it well i certainly think there's a uh an appetite for it i mean anytime the bu bc get together it obviously is a pretty pretty uh talked about hyped uh matchup and considering sort of how it used to always be three games i think adding another you know matchup would always be great and i sort of like the idea of when you guys bounce around maybe having like an off-site area or maybe having it switch around to a different location every year so not just the usual a Conti form or a game of screen, but if they can get like a, a different venue, like I know someone said Madison Square Garden or, or any sort of different location, that could be great to even draw more people out. I'm not sure how much, you know, if you go to somewhere like you guys brought up like Madison Square Garden, how much that would exactly draw, but it would be interesting just to see like through the different spots how much uh, attendance would be. So I think something like that would be fresh and be a good way to change it up. Because I think, you know, I think anyone would opt for, you know, BU and BC for another time, they can play in a regular season. I agree. And I'll let Arthur chime in with his thoughts, but I think uh, one of the reasons why I want to propose throwing out this third game to be traveling things, I know there's always the risk that we're going to have, you know, another BCBU game at Fenway, or if, if the Winter Classic is at Gillette next year, they'll probably stick a BCBU game there. Um, and I worry that, you know, now we're at the point where there's only two games against every hockey East team. I'm old enough to remember when there was four back in my day. <laughs> and uh, to have it go an entire season, I know. Go ahead, laugh. To ha- to have it go an entire season where either there's no BCBU game either at Aganis or at Conti would be awful. I'm I'm totally opposed to that. Um, so Arthur, your your thoughts? 
Um, yeah, I thought it was definitely a flavor for um, having a third game. Um, I mean, uh, I remember uh, this year um, the demand for student tickets was through the roof, and I believe uh, the the overall attendance uh, set a Conti Forum uh, record. It could be wrong about that, but there's definitely a, a ton of demand for um, – Definitely BCBU hockey, and I don't think uh, a third game would really change that. I'm just looking up um, the uh, attendance of the Massacre Garden game, uh, Harvard Yale, to give like a little bit of a comparison. So they drew about twelve or thirteen thousand. Um, so they didn't fill up the arena, but they got a pretty good crowd. Um, the the issue I would have with having the game at Madison Square Garden um, is this. I think what makes the BCBU uh, rivalry special is just that Boston flavor, you know, the the heritage of um, Boston college hockey. Um, and I, I feel like taking that matchup away from Boston would be um, a mistake. Now, I don't know where they would put it um, because um, I, I call a little bit of sort of the tail end of the conversation that you guys were having before about TD Garden, you know, hosting the bean pot and sort of like reserving it for that. Um but at the same time, I don't know exactly where else you would uh, put it. Um, I, I think uh, Matthews would be a mistake because uh, of the obvious Northeastern connection. And they, I mean, I, I guess they could possibly throw, throw around the idea um, of like alternating between Conti and again, even that, like, you know, like the idea of, of having this third matchup is just to be like, to be like a neutral state. So, um, the, the, my short answer is I think it's a good idea, but uh, do not hire me for the logistics because I, don't, I wouldn't know how to do it. Fair enough. I think that's reasonable. Um, now, to, to circle the focus back around to the game that's coming up on Friday, uh, which we've we've gotten away from that since we've been on the air for a while and uh, rambling a little bit, but now that we've got some fresh voices on to talk about it, BC seems to be on the right track a little bit. And DU is, I guess, not quite at the meteoric heights they were at back in November, but they're certainly still a very good team. Um, it was a close game last time, uh, and it's going to again. It's where BC's traditionally done well. Uh, Arthur, um, you know, given where BC is at right now at this point of the season, do you think they have a chance of going in there on Friday and winning? Um, I think uh, the most important thing that um, I took away from uh, the BC game that BC did play for at least 15 minutes, a pretty solid game against BU. Um, the uh, players kind of pulled away at, towards the end. Um, I, I will say, I, I personally think BC is a, a different team um, than they were when they played BU. How different, I, I can't do an exact estimate. Um, you know, I'm sure, like, BC fans, um, I'm sure everywhere know uh, what happened in the game after the BU game. They, that was a terrible game against Harvard. Um, but, you know, I, I'm, I'm cautiously, um, if I were a BC fan, I would be cautiously optimistic about um, the, the stretch they've been having. Um, you know, uh, they, they've played um, pretty solid hockey um, um, for uh, the past, I guess, seven games. Um but the the issue that I have is this, you know, no nobody on the schedule on in the past seven games, with the possible exception of Dartmouth, Northeastern, or Michigan, which I guess is um, a lot of uh, what their schedule really jumps out to me as a solid competition. So like Brown is uh, not having the best season they have. I remember. Um, is it big problem? Sorry. They did beat Providence. That is that's true, but at the same time, um, I, I, you know, 
like covering uh, Quinnipiac last year, I remember um, Brown was. I mean, like they they were a decent team, but they but they were never quite to the solid. But let's put it this way: they're not BU, and I think I think. Uh, but my my big I guess what I'm trying to get at is no they didn't play a, a team like BU, so I I don't think you can really look at this the past some games and say wow um, they have, they're playing decent hockey they can go out and beat BU now. Having said that I I think they are just a team they're playing much better hockey than they did against Harvard against Minnesota for that matter, um, but um I, I so I'll say I'm I'm if I were a BC fan I'd be cautiously optimistic. Um, okay. Mostly, uh, I would say I, I, I would put more uh, preference on the, the BU game itself uh, rather than yeah. the 17 Lane Street. Connor, talk about you know for BC fans that haven't seen BU in person since that game back in November, what's maybe changed about how they've looked, and um, you know where are you feeling about where the team is at right now? Yeah, so um, over the pretty after the BC game, they sort of build off the momentum a little bit after the BC game and had uh, wins against teams that, I mean, if you look at them, weren't really too impressive. I mean, they had wins over, like, Maine. Uh, they had a win over Colgate, which was good. But then, sort of, if we're going to look at, sort of, especially after uh, sort of winter break, what's happened with the team, I mean, they've had, uh, they had two straight draws. They had one against Union, which it was out without uh, Jack Eichel in the lineup. And then they had a, they went this past weekend out to Wisconsin and had a uh, up and down sort of the first game that was they were pretty much set for a three one loss until they scored twice in the last two minutes. It was a pretty pretty fantastic game at the end of it, but as a whole we talked to the team afterwards, they said they were pretty disappointed with their effort and then the next game they came away with a six one win against a, a pretty uh pretty rough Wisconsin team. So but as a whole, uh, going into this matchup, um one thing Quint has uh, noted, especially over the last week or so, is that this is probably the healthiest the team has been this entire season. Uh, when uh, just the last week they got back Robbie Bellagion, who for the first, I think, seven games of the season he played but didn't really show that much. And the coaches were concerned about why he wasn't really having a lot of impact considering that he was the, uh, the leading scorer on the team last year. But he actually had a bad case of mononucleosis that sort of sidelined him for, I think, uh, nine, nine to ten games. So he's been back. He's slowly getting back. He's still not, you know, I think totally himself, but he's slowly getting back in there in that second line. And then uh, Nick Olson, who's been one of the freshmen this year, he's been pretty impressive. He sort of gives BU a lot of grit and uh, toughness on the third line. He's come back, and he's really, hasn't really missed his step since he missed 10 games in upper body injury. So the inclusion of those guys has really sort of helped even out the lines and uh, especially the last game, actually. The BU actually switched up their first line. People have talked about the Oreo line this whole year and how it's been a very impressive line, which is uh, been Jack Eichel, Daniel Reed, and Adi Oxenen. But uh, over the last game, Quinn actually switched Oxenen out with Evan Rodriguez, who's uh, been producing that second line for this whole season. And it looked pretty impressive in the uh, their last game against Wisconsin. The first line combined for five goals and ten combined points. So there's still a lot of sort of shuffling that Quinn has to do, and I think he's he said it's sort of been a luxury that now they have all these players back. He can really sort of switch and play with the depth. But as a whole, they've uh, especially you want to look at their last game. I don't know much stock you'd want to put into it because I mean, as I said, Wisconsin has just two wins on the season, but it should give them at least a good little push going into this Boston College game. So they've had sort of an up and down look over the last few games. If you want to at least compare how good they were at the beginning of the season, but um, based on their last game, they at least have some uh, something good to go into this game with. Uh, Connor, do you think that we'll still uh, see 
uh, align with with Oregon, uh, Eichel and uh, Rodriguez this weekend, or do you think that he'll he'll go back to Oregon, uh, Eichel and Oxenden, if I can remember all of the players' names? Oriel. Yeah. Um, so yeah, uh, we talked to Quinn actually after the Wisconsin game about, and he actually liked the way that both lines uh, sort of fixed out with. Eichel with Rodriguez on the first line, Oxen who's bumped down to the second line with Bellagione and Casey Holman. So right now my bet, my guess is that he would probably roll out the, with Rodriguez on the first line again, but sort of remains to be seen. But, I mean, if you were asking me, I thought, you know, the first line looked pretty impressive in the last game because Oxen has been very good this year, and he's going to get size, and he has a great shot. But I think Rodriguez really looks pretty good on that line because he's sort of that crafty, fast winger who can really, you know, I don't really skate with Eichel if he goes, you know, full blast, but he's sort of a guy who can sort of create offense along with Eichel, and him and O'Regan are uh, two guys that when paired with him can be pretty devastating. And even Oxenden had two goals this last weekend, so I think he's shown that he's had that he can still produce on some other lines as well. Mm-hmm. Now, I would like both of your thoughts on this. Um, what you know, BC did get torched by the by the Ico line last time, as a lot of teams have. But some teams have shut them down. And what can and should BC do um, to try to, to try to stop that line and slow down the line with Ico? Is it just a matter of you know getting the right defensive pair out there, or is there something that they can do with forwards to try to limit their effectiveness as well? Um, well, I'm getting oh, sorry. Uh, Rock, yeah, paper, scissors? Uh, so, yeah. <laughs> um, um, I mean, like, uh, Connor, you want to go first, or? Uh, no, you can go. Okay. Um, I, I would say, um, in my opinion, I, I think um, that um, it, it's it's a matter of, um, uh, it, it's, um, I mean, like, stopping the back cycles. Um, uh, so, I'm sorry? Hello? I guess still there. Yeah. yeah. Hello. I think we're having uh, some difficulties. Uh oh. Oh no. Hang on. I guess the answer yeah. is nobody can stop Jack Eichel. And the <laughs> no. The suggestion that you might do so will get your phone destroyed. <laughs> or or, or, <laughs> or sitting in the uh, Heights office where it's it, we're surrounded by like miles and miles of concrete. Uh, is it better? Yeah, we can hear you. Okay. Carry um, on. Um, so, me, like, I, I think, um, you know, it, it's hard to say with one player um, that uh, at Team Santini being back in the lineup. Um, I'm looking at the, the pairings from the, uh, the game against the Huskies. You know, the, the, the pairings look somewhat different. And I think, um, you know, they, uh, it, it, I, there's nobody that really jumps out to me uh, on the Huskies. I mean, and I think this goes with kind of without saying, like, Jack Eichel is a special talent in and of himself. Um, so, like, it, it, I can't say that, like, um, defense, looking at the defensive pairings, I can say, okay, um, the, so-and-so played well against so-and-so, therefore they're going to play well against Jack Eichel. But I think um, I, I have a lot of confidence. I, I think it's um, looking at the uh, Noah Hannafin and Steve Santini line, you know, that Hannafin, um, you know, he, I think having, uh, I'm actually losing my train of thought. Connor, can you jump in here for a second? Yeah, sure. So, um, yeah, in terms of containing uh, that first line, obviously it's uh, given a lot of teams trouble this year. 
Um, I think some of the big strategies from what I've seen, obviously BC is going to have a big uh, boost with Santini back in the lineup. That's obviously going to be huge. But from what I've seen from teams that have had success, whether it's been Dartmouth or even uh, – it's funny, even though B came away with uh, two wins and, you know, Eichel sort of burned them in both games, uh, Maine sort of like the first period of both games sort of played uh, that Eichel line pretty well. It wasn't until later in those games that Eichel sort of got his points uh, up against the Black Bears. But it, what they did is just really uh, obviously sort of had the good defense out there, but the forwards really harassed him in terms of they usually had two two guys on him, not giving him really any space to sort of maneuver with the puck and really sort of create opportunities. Because that's when Eichel's at his best. When he, one is when he has a lot of space, and two, when he can, you know, you give him time to sort of create opportunities. You know, he's, He's been great this whole season, finding you know great opportunities for guys like Oxen and O'Regan. Oxen and O'Regan have had multiple times where they've had uh, pretty pretty easy goals because Eichel sort of created a lot of opportunities for them. So he was just trying to test to stay close on Eichel and uh, you know just constantly sort of harass him. Don't give him any space because even uh, even in uh, the main game, the, the game at uh, home when Eichel had an overtime goal, pretty much they gave him a whole bunch of space for the entire time. He skipped up the entire right and then scripted shots from the left circle, and that was it. So I think the name of the game is just to always just sort of keep people on him and just make sure you don't give him any, like, freedom of movement to really create opportunities because then he's going to burn you. Great. Now, yeah. Tradition- um, it, it, uh, sorry. I know it's funny. Um, I prepared, like, a bunch of notes for tonight, um, and I ran over, went over to uh, the Heights editorial board meeting uh, just now, and I came back, and my notes were gone. <laughs> and that was actually one of the things that I – um, mentioned on my notes um, that, um, you know, one thing I found uh, watch, like rewatching the DUBC game from before is that um, the, not just um, the Eichel line, but the, the Terrier, but BU in general, did, had a lot of success when they were able to generate some space. You know, there's, there's a lot of skilled, I think Connor will agree, there's a lot of skilled players um, on BU. So, like, I, I think the, the best way to sort of combat view um, and specifically Eichel is to kind of um, you know shut down passing lanes and kind of make him get the, those like uh, greedy goals because like if you don't give him some any space to you know um, just you know do his thing I think it's uh, it, it, it will kind of negate some of his skill a little bit you know it's it, it's a tall order either way because that's, sure. again Eichel is a special talent so we've got a nine and a half left in the shindig. Um, traditionally, we wrap up our programs here on Eastern Bias with uh, looking through the next weekend's schedule and also telling you what games are available to watch on your television set. Shep, do you have the schedule in front of you? Uh, I almost do, but I can have it in a second. I mean, there's only one game that matters. It's true. I mean, there are other games, unfortunately. <laughs> kind of not really. Uh, a lot of league games this weekend. Let's you ready? Run through them. Tell us which ones are on TV while you're doing that. See if you're... Oh, that's a, oh, I should pull up a different and schedule. We'll all just kind of give our quick thoughts on that game. I'm pulling up a different schedule. So uh, we're just filling space right now. We're filling space. It's January. It's January. Friday the 16th. We got BC at BU. 7 o'clock on Nesson. A little bit of an early start for Nesson right there with a 7 o'clock game. Uh, Lowell at Maine, also at 7. New Hampshire at UMass. That's seven. Uh, Northeastern at Vermont, seven oh five, and at seven thirty five, the Notre Dame Fighting Irish return to the NBC Sports Network against Connecticut. The NBC Sports Network, the home of the Notre Dame Fighting Irish. Couple thoughts there. First of all, is that UConn's first appearance on national television? 
That might be. I'm just going to go ahead and guess that it is. I'm going to guess that it is as well. Second thought, Northeastern versus Vermont. Interesting interesting game. Up at Vermont. I assume it's a two-game set. Uh, you would. It is a two-game set. However, only one of them is a league game. Keep that in mind, kids. That's bizarre, but okay. Um, well, interesting, because Vermont, you know, people have some people have been saying that maybe they're not as good as their early record indicate. Northeastern's a team that's sort of on the rise a little bit, looking to bounce back from a tough weekend against BC. Um, that'll be an interesting series to keep an eye on and see what happens. Uh, as for the BCBU TV note, that it's 7 o'clock, is the reason that it's at 7 on Nesson? Doesn't BU usually have home games at 7.30 on Fridays, or am I wrong about yes. that. Yes, they okay. do. So Nesson is once again making it a less pleasant experience for the viewing fan in person, as I very much enjoy the 7.30 starts on a Friday myself. Love you so much, Alex Faust. <laughs> uh, out of those league games, gentlemen, uh, Connor, you go first, Arthur, you're going second. Which uh, which league game do you, are, are you the most excited about besides BU and BC? I can read them again if you need. Yeah, could you uh, just read those again one more time for me? Sorry about that. Yeah. We got Lowell at Maine, New Hampshire at UMass, Northeastern at Vermont, and Connecticut at Notre Dame. Hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, let's see. Um, their choice. Yeah. Um, I've always, you know, you know, they're, look at the record as a whole. It hasn't been too impressive. I'm always sort of intrigued when I uh, – you know, you see UConn out there. I've been sort of impressed by, obviously, BU. They came away with a 4-4 draw against us, and even though BU sort of came away with the victory in the second game, they played us uh, pretty good. They had a pretty nice run in the third period uh, in that game. So I'm always intrigued seeing uh, Kavanaugh's team out there and see what they can do. And, you know, they've been sort of impressed with some of these games, especially when they have wins against some pretty impressive opponents out there. So I think that'd be anytime I sort of get the chance to see them play, I think it'd be pretty intriguing. So I'd like to keep my tabs on uh, UConn. Arthur, are you still there? Yeah, I'm still here. Um, uh, it, it's funny, like uh, I I see the Vermont Northeastern game, and I'm personally excited for that. And here's why, you know, like we, I, I know like the entire like BC fan base. I know BC interruption like was taking five Northeastern. Like through the start of the season, and for good reason, they had a terrible start. But they've been picking up some decent wins, uh, like against number three Minnesota during uh, Thanksgiving, Providence, St. Lawrence, Yale, um, you know, tying Boston College. So like they're they're coming, like they're they're on the rise. I'm not I'm not going to say that you know like they're a, a good team, but I think that they're a team on the rise and they're they're a very hot team. And you know, with Vermont. I think that just looking through their schedule now, um, they, they've played um, some weak, I don't want to say weak, but weaker opponents. They played Northeastern when they were, like, in, in the tank. Uh, you know, uh, I mean, Providence has been um, it's been decent. I, I don't want to say great, but decent. Um, but, um, like, I personally don't think – I'm kind of one of those people who are in the boat that Vermont's record is deceptive because I, I just don't think they face the type of competition that I think justifies um, saying that, that they are as good as their record. But So I'm kind of curious to see how how Vermont stacks up against Northeastern, which is a team I think that uh, is going to, I think, surprise some people down the stretch. Yeah, 
Saturday's games, we've got uh, Massachusetts at UNH on NBCSN. Wow. <laughs> oh, boy. Oh, God. Uh, Merrimack at Quinnipiac at 7. That's a non-league game. And Northeastern at Vermont at 7.05, also a non-league game. So there's that. Uh, on Sunday, we got three league games. Notre Dame at Connecticut. That's uh, in Bridgeport, and it's it's a league game. And it also means that they'll play one in South Bend and one in Connecticut this weekend. So that's something of note. I think it's the first time Notre Dame's actually had a split home-and-home weekend. Um, we have Lowell at BU. Um, that's a 2 o'clock Start uh, 12.05 on Notre Dame, Connecticut, by the way. Uh, and we have BC at Maine. That's a 3 o'clock start and will be available on one of those uh, standard definition Fox College sports channels. I then on That game time has been moved to 1 o'clock. Hockey should update that. Um, they should. Uh, 1 o'clock to avoid conflict with a certain throwball game that's happening on Sunday. I don't understand that sport. I'm told that some people consider that to take precedence over a hockey East league game. Yeah. Uh, so a couple interesting games coming up there. Obviously, BU and Lowell is the headliner. Um, I'm sure you're looking forward to that one. I can't not wait to play BC and then Lowell back to back. So great, Connor. Do you think BU really quickly because we only have about two minutes left? Uh, do you think BU survives the weekend with uh, BC and Lowell? Yeah, I think. Uh, BU fans have a pretty good shot. Uh, they should be pretty optimistic going into this week. I'm not saying it's going to be perfect. It's definitely going to be one of the biggest tests. not the biggest test this uh, weekend to play the games. But look at the team right now. They're healthy. Eichel's back. And after you know, a slow game, the first Wisconsin game, he really sort of dominated and showed his usual self there. So they have the health. They have the depth. Uh, O'Connor has been great in that. So I uh, I think people, yeah, should be pretty optimistic going into this set of games. All right. And then do we think, I'm going to go ahead and say it. I'm going to just be a little optimistic here. I think BC takes at least three points this weekend against BU and Maine. Wow. Wow. Arthur, what do you think? That's optimistic. <laughs> um, okay. you know, I, I, I think they pick up the two points against Maine. Um, I, I personally am not confident um, um, in uh, BC's chances against BU. I do think BU um, is – they're just a very solid hockey team right now. And I think as as many strides as BC has made in the past month, uh, I still think they, they are um, a weaker opponent. But like one thing that I've found following hockey, college hockey, is that when rivalry games come around, the world kind of gets thrown out a little bit. So, you know, on paper, I, I think BU's a better team, but we'll see. I mean, even when BC was playing some very um, – Subpar, uh, I don't want to say subpar, but not good hockey. They played a good game against BU, so we'll see. Um, I, 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 I think. I'm sorry. <laughs> sorry, I'm just playing with the soundboard because we're in the final minute. Um, I agree with you. Um, and it's going to be tough for them to get the win, but I think they can do it. Uh, they're going to kind of grind one out, maybe earn the tie. I'd be pretty happy with that. I'd like to thank all of our guests for being on. We have 45 seconds and I'm told by New Guy that we definitely need to hit the end episode button before we overrun. So, any real quick final thoughts, anyone? No. Right. <laughs> thank you guys for coming on. Thank you all. Thank you. Thank you to all your listeners out there. Uh, we'll listen to a little one shiny moment. 
And we'll be back to do this again next week. It'll not be live. Tapes as usual. Subscribe. Oh, at Eastern Bias. At Eastern Bias. And uh, we'll talk to you soon. Have a good night, everyone. See you later. Bye. Bye.